Welcome to Behind the Brand, the podcast that offers a captivating platform for business owners to share their inspiring stories. Join us as we take a deep dive into the experiences of successful entrepreneurs, allowing them to step out of their businesses and reveal the incredible narratives that shaped their journeys. Gain valuable insights, learn from their triumphs and challenges, and uncover the secrets behind building remarkable brands. Get ready to be inspired by the personal tales that lie behind the brand. So, yeah, welcome, uh, Courtney, welcome to the podcast, uh, episode one or two, I'm not sure which one's going to leave, maybe you get one, I get two, I'm not sure, <laughs> um, but this one is, yeah, I guess it's an introductory episode to understand, or for the for the listeners to understand a little bit more about yourself, and um, let's dive into, you know, who makes who makes you, you. Um, I guess I thought about the first question, is probably something off our, um, to dive into, it was off our sales script, so like, Courtney, uh, mm-hmm. tell, me, tell, me the, tell me the Courtney story. Um well, how far back are we going, mate? Whatever, as far back as you need to. Um, I, I think even if they listen to yours first, then they'll probably get a bit of an idea of our upbringing. Um, but, yeah, like through childhood, we obviously moved around a lot. I think um, it's probably worth noting that when we were kids, you and I, like, weren't super close. I was actually yeah. thinking about this the other day. I was like... We have a really close relationship now, but like it hasn't always been that way just because we're just doing different shit. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. because like we didn't like each other or like we were just, we're just doing our own things. Mm. So, um, that's pretty unique to me cause I was thinking about it the other day then, yeah, like it was only really, cause even when we lived together, even when we moved in together, like we we're still brothers and we we're still friendly, but like we weren't hanging out all the no. time. And I think, um, yeah, definitely the last four years or five years, we've been way closer. Mm. And especially like now. It was funny because um, Sarah said something to me the other day and yeah, we we're chatting about it. And um, I remember there was time, I think it was early when I was yeah was in the pits and you were at the pits and like I'd drive past and honk, like give you a wave yeah. just to say good day. Like, you know, and Sarah was like, Sarah said to me, so like, you spoke to your brother recently? I'm like, no, nah, I haven't spoken yeah. at all. It's like, oh, when's the last time you spoke to him? I said, oh, a couple months ago. Yeah. And it was like, and that was what it, it was wasn't like. weird, but. No, it wasn't weird. Yeah. And it's the same for like mum and dad. Like yeah. I might go, I might go, you know, mum rang me last week, but I hadn't spoken to her for probably, I don't know, four, four or five months, six months yeah. since. And it's like, it's not weird, but it's, it is yeah. what it is. And it was the same. Yeah, I think it was the same. And it's a little, little bit like that for our, like the younger brothers as well. Like I don't have, like I'm cl- obviously close to the uni, yeah. but I don't, like I don't, yeah, have. I think it's because we spend, we just have like similar values mm. and we're just doing the same thing. So mm. it makes sense that we, and we're obviously in business together. So yeah, we're, yeah, we hang out a lot now. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, I had sort of my values, you had your values, and I think finally you learnt that you'd rather come yeah. hang, hang with my values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, what, um, yeah, yeah, obviously like, you can get a bit of an insight into yeah, know, so that who, then, but like, um, like, yeah, for me, I, yeah, I'm a 37-year-old, four kids, married for 10 years, reformed alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am. I am. Like, I used to drink a lot for sure. I haven't drank for two years now, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, I used to drink a lot. Um, I used to have a really negative relationship with alcohol. And I think it was a lot of that was um, for lots of different reasons. But um, I think the culture that coal mining, like the, like the environment that I was in when I was coal mining helped nurture that vice mm. because that's what coal miners do. They fucking drink a lot. Um, 
But the trap for me was that I could still I could still function at a really high level while whilst drinking. Mm. Um, and I think with business, when I started the businesses, when I started Hunter Valley Housekeeping, like there was a lot of pressure on me. I was still working full time in the coal mines. I, was, I had the the cleaning business had you know fifteen staff in that at some at at that stage. I was renovating a house. I just had an, another kid, which is my third at that stage. Um, and when things didn't go right, I used to just fucking drink. Um, so yeah, but I'd still get up at four o'clock in the morning and run. Mm. Like I was, I was still functioning at a really high level, but. I think I didn't even. It was when I done seventy five hard. That's when I originally stopped drinking because I knew that I knew that it was a problem. It was having a negative effect on me. I knew that, but I also fucking liked it, and I didn't necessarily want to stop. So when I heard about seventy five hard, when you when I when one of the rules in there was that you couldn't drink alcohol, it was just like a instantly. I was like, that's what I needed to do. And then um, there was another moment as well. On top of that is when there's a, there was a business networking group that you and I are a part of called Cub. And um, what I realized was David Goggins said in his book all the time, right? I read his book about five or six years ago, his first one. And, um, and he used to always refer back to like be uncommon amongst uncommon people. And I never ever used to, I could understand the concept of it, but I never really understood the meaning behind it. And what I learned was, that was it was because I was only ever surrounded by common people. So there was never a scenario for me to be uncommon amongst uncommon people because I was only ever surrounded by common. And then when I was um, in Sydney, we're at this event and we we're surrounded by people, you know, running big private equity companies and you know running hundred million dollar companies and like guys that we were never exposed to. And I was sitting down with them, and then I looked around and it was like instantly I, I was you couldn't not see it, but everyone was drinking. I was like, wow, like everyone's fucking drinking alcohol. Mm. And that started, I was like, it's free. I'm fucking on. Here we go. Daddy's here. Um, and then when I realized, I was like, hang on, this is it. This is my, and that's the whole reason why we went there, just to be surrounded by people that we weren't, um, that we wouldn't typically interact with. So now I found myself in a position that I was surrounded by uncommon people and I had the ability to be able to make a decision and be uncommon amongst them. So I, I didn't drink. I had one beer that night. And then I stopped, and then that was that was my last beer that I had. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna be unc." That was my last beer too. That night. was it, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just, and I don't even know why. I didn't, I didn't actually know that story until like after it had come yeah. out. But yeah, like, I had a beer, and then I was like, oh, "I don't really need another one." And then yeah, I'd, yeah, I never. Cheers. I, yeah, That's two years ago, dude. Yeah, it was, I remember it was a cup. It was Paddington, yeah, like, Potts Point. Like, yeah, um, and it was just, it was really clear that I had an opportunity to be uncommon amongst uncommon yeah. people. And then ever since then, dude, my fucking life has exponentially improved. Everything has improved. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't, there's no logic. It wouldn't make any sense at all for me to start that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like driving a Ferrari with a handbrake on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, hundred percent dude. Yeah. It's like, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned just in that with the, yeah, you had the business to start up and obviously, you know, an ex career in, in coal mining. Like what was it for you that sparked your interest in, in business? I think the biggest thing for me was, and I was similar to you when I was in, when I was at Woolworths, I loved Woolworths mm -hmm. and all, all my aspirations were like becoming a department manager and like, I, for, I wanted to be like the youngest department manager. That was the thing for me. So like f that was, I was 19 when I first got appointed as a department manager at Baronia Park, a little, a little Woolworths there. 
And for me, I just want to try to be the youngest, the next thing. So I want to be the my next promotion. I want to be the youngest one. I want to be the youngest store manager. That was kind of like in my head what I wanted to do, right? And then what I realized when I was miserable living in Sydney and we moved back home, I went from running a department there to then being a two IC in, in Singleton. Um, but the biggest thing for me was just being able to, and then again, out of there, like I sort of outgrew that that role at Woolworths. I think it was very similar to you. It, was, it wasn't, it was a great job, but just the opportunities weren't there. And I just had big expectations of myself um, and they weren't running supermarkets. And then I went into coal mining because that's what you do when you live in our town. And that's like what everyone aspires to be. And it's easy to get sucked into that because you can go and earn 150 grand by like doing not much. And you know, that's what I did. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and then as my life changed, when I started having kids, my values changed and what I wanted out of employment changed. And I wanted to start spending more time with my family and being able to see, because I was missing out on too much, right? So like I started to miss out on school. I started to miss out on, um, you know, weekend sports or I can anticipate that happening. So I was like, for me, and I'm also, I, I was selling my time and that was one thing that I, was really identified as like, like I'm trading my time. It's not even like it's compensation. The $150,000 is compensation for me to sell my time to this employer. And I'm going to turn up at this agreed amount of time. I'm going to turn up at these agreed days at this agreed time. And I'll just have to do that forever. Um, and I just felt like I was destined for more than that. Even as a kid, like when, when, when I was in high school, I couldn't, imagine having a normal job i didn't even think i'd ever have a normal job i thought i'd play professional rugby league that was in my head that's all i could ever contemplate doing and um what i realized was that i didn't well i wasn't even close to working hard enough to ever be able to achieve that like i made like an a certain level in representing football but it was n nowhere close enough to be able to make it professionally mm -hmm. and it was purely just from work um I had like a natural ability, but the thing that was going to take me the extra step was effort. And I wasn't putting that effort in. No one coached me. I didn't know what to do. Um, so then all of a sudden I found myself as a fucking normal job working in a normal, in a normal environment. The first four or five years in coal mining was amazing. You know, you're earning good money. It helps you put you in a good position. But then it started taking more. So, you know, I was starting to take my weekends and um, – I remember every, nights nights yeah so, working 12 and a half hour you know, night an, shifts you're an hour away from home too so it was you know, yeah nearly 14 hour 15 yeah 15, more than yeah leave day. leave home at um you know a bit before six o'clock and you get home and after eight every like day and night yeah. on either side of the clock and um yeah it was just taking a lot and i remember um I re like the first four or five years was great yeah, it was really really good but yeah i just remember it started like taking more it was fucking just sucking my energy it's like the the shine wears off yeah so absolutely it's, it's yeah. Nice to wear off yeah um so like on on your business thing obviously i guess one of the th themes that was like control is it like control yeah. of your time control yeah, and of freedom life? it was control and freedom of my time yeah 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 that was the biggest thing for me so like i i remember at christmas i used to have christmas holidays off and that's the thing as well you fucking go on a lottery to get your christmas off mm. yeah, and i get it like i understand like everyone can't have christmas off it's a coal mine they work around the clock 364 days a year um but christmas was like that christmas time special for us like we want to go to the beach and we want to have christmas as a family and i was lucky enough to get that a couple of years in a row but every time i used to have that christmas break i used to just like reassess 
where I was. And like a lot of the time I'd get away from that environment. I'd start sleeping every night again. And I'm like, Hey, like I'm not happy. In fact, I'm fucking miserable. Like, this is not what I want to do. This is not what, who I'm meant to be. And I remember driving to the coal mine and I was just like, I used to look out the window. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, how did I even fucking get here? Like, I, like, just like what disappeared, like when you. No, I just meant like I felt like I was just like, like metaphorically, like how do you get that position? Yeah, I was yeah. like, like I'm stuck. Like yeah. what am I? How how did I land here? This is not what yeah. I'm meant to be and doing. It, it's, and it's it's harder to get out than it is to get in. And it's like those, yeah, gold, and, those and golden handcuffs come on. Yeah, and she's tough. Yeah, it's right. And I remember standing in front of the toolbox talks, and they're fucking waffling on about like the most smallest thing, and this guy's whinging and pissing and moaning about this, and it was just a really negative culture. And I was like, yeah, what am I doing? Like this isn't who I am. Like I'm destined for way more than this. Mm. And then. Um, there was an opportunity just randomly, I sort of expressed it to one of my friends and, um, randomly he had a guy that he knew, my friend had a business and, um, he, he heard of like this cleaning business that was for sale in Cessnock, now cleaning holiday accommodation homes. And, and my, my understanding of business was basically none. Okay. So my goal was to try to find something to replace my income, which is about 2000 net a week. It was 1900 net. Okay, so I was like, I need to try to find something that will replace my $1,900 net and I can escape, like, and then I can escape from con money. So build it and then bounce. That was, I just, I didn't care how I did it. Like, yeah. like I, I, yeah, that didn't, that, I would do anything. Yeah. I just need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then, um, so when I crunched the numbers, I looked at this business and the business was for sale for $110,000 and it was generating, he was doing about half a million in rev netting about 120 grand a year which was just shy of what i was earning but again i looked at it i was like well he's got control and freedom of his time i feel like i could do that better i feel like i could do this better and i could take it from 500,000 in rev to a million in rev and then i'm going to have three hundred thousand dollars. that was my logic and then i met him a couple of times and i was just like I, there was something off i was like yeah i don't feel like i should be buying this for $110,000. I can, I can see the perceived value here, but I don't know who you are. I don't know the relationships that you've burnt. Um, and also too, I'm like, well, I, I mean, whilst I want to get out as soon as I can, I, like I'm not pressured or there's no time bomb here. Like I have time. So then I was like, well, um, I'll just start one and I'll, yeah, like I'll start a cleaning business and I'll do like a better job than anyone in this area. And then I, I started, I, I registered a company um, and the two of the biggest clients in town that I identified, I took them both out for lunch and, and said, like, what would you want in a cleaning business? Um, and they both told me very similar things. And I went away from that and went and built it. And, and I started cold calling people and, um, and just saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Uh, like I wouldn't anticipate that you, you know, jump over to me. You likely got a cleaner, which is great. Um, but I just wanted to introduce myself whenever you get stuck, sing out and we'll come and help. And then. You know, um, I hired my first employee. I got a first, I got a job. I got these brochures created, and the lady that printed the brochures had an investment house, and she got us to clean it. I think she just kind of fucking felt sorry, felt sorry. for it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It was like, so she's like, "Hey, like I've got something that needs cleaning. Do you want to come and clean?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, of course I do." Yeah. So I had one employee at that stage, uh, and again, my idea and plan was to never work in it. It was it was to grow it whilst I you know, was still in mining to be able to and grow it into a position. Yep. Yeah. Grow it to a position where I could leave. Uh, and this was 2019. And, um, so we'd done that first job. It was amazing. I remember the first invoice that I sent, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, um, like I, you know, I'm but like charging like these girls out more than what I'm getting paid in a coal mine. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is 
magical. Like I'm not doing the physical work. I'm like the person that provides the labor and finds the work and then I partner them too. And then I take a cut. This is fucking great business. And then I was um, mowing a lawn in the vineyards and I'd do that like once a fortnight and I would get $150. And I'm like, wow, that's like XYZ a year. And again, I remember arguing and fucking striking in a coal mine over a 5% pay rise. Yeah. Like you go and like, we, I spent like six months on a stri- strike and the union paid us $500 and over a, over a pay dispute. I'm like, yeah. I just fucking earned more than that. You're working two hours every fortnight on a lawnmower. And it was listening to a podcast. It was great. I was in my zone. Yeah. In control. Yeah, full control. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'd go do that. Like I'd mow them lawns and things like that before I used to go to work that night. And just, I was hustling, right? Just, and I remember just about just touching that hustling point. I remember, um, you ran me one day when you spoke to the manager or the owner of the Portos in town and he had this yeah. overgrown hedge. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was just like this, yeah, it was literally like this little Maria hedge. Yeah. And, you know, I think he paid you 40 bucks and you went in there with a hedge, hedge trim. Yeah. And, you know, he spent an hour there or whatever and, and trimmed it up and cleaned yeah. it. And that was kind of like an ongoing thing. Once a month you'd yeah. go there and like trim this guy's hedge. That's right. A hundred percent dude. And that like the, that was like the, and this is the thing that I, and I think this isn't the biggest point of difference from me and, and other people is that like I was, dude, that wasn't that long ago. Nah, it was like, ago. it was like three years ago, yeah. bro. Yeah, I know. Three years ago, I was swinging off a head trimmer in a Porto. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like. Spraying th- people's bindies. Dude, well, that's even further back, yeah. right? Uh, um, that, and I want to talk about that, but it's like, I've, I never had any ego around the task. Yeah. I was like, if I can solve the problem, I'll get the money. I don't yeah. care how, how it happens. Yeah. So for me, I'm here. I am as a coal miner, which is the pinnacle um, career in our community, in town, and yep. I'm swinging off a fucking hedge trimmer on the main road. You know, it's like what's Courtney? Like, it's almost like embarrassing, yeah. right? Like people would have looked at it as like, what's he doing? Like it's so embarrassing. He's fucking, you know, cutting that guy's hedge. Um, mind you, that I was two hundred fifty bucks, dude. I got it was an hour's work. Yeah, it's great so money. It was another thing in my head. I'm like, wow. I just done an hour's worth of work for this guy because it was perceived value for him. He knew that it was untidy and it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a rate. It was like, Hey, I'll fix that problem for $250. So it's like, I was there for an hour, 250 bucks. I'm like, wow, this is a no brainer. I can, now I'm not almost selling my time. I can solve problems. Mm. Um, but it was the same as that Bindi thing. I remember when Koa was born. So Aluka was two years old and Koa was just born and well, I had no money, dude. Like I was well, on 150 grand, but Never had any money, right? The money's gone, always. Every four, every, it's always gone. And um, Jade had, she wanted this like double pram. Cause we obviously having two kids. I'm like, fuck, like, we've got a two-year-old now. Can't you just, like, can't a Luca walk? Yeah. Like, she can just, we'll just keep the pram that we have and Luca can walk. So, no, you can't. There's two kids, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, well, what's a new pram cost? Like, it's like $1,500. I'm like, what are you talking about? This pram that we have right now is totally fine. So, like, no, I want this pram. I was like, right, okay, cool. So um, I, it was springtime. I used to put, I was putting ads on Gumtree. <laughs> I was putting ads on Gumtree um, offering my services to fucking spray bindies. <laughs> so I would work, I would work, um, I, I would work on night shift and then I'll go home and sleep for five hours and then I'll wake up that afternoon and go to my jobs. Grab the Roundup. Yeah, I'll grab the, I did, I had Roundup in a 10 litre spray pump. It wasn't it. even a big dog. I remember it. It was just a 10 litre one. Yeah. So I, I might go to a house and have to fill it up six or seven times. And then I disperse it. And then I have to fill it up again. So I'll just go buy a bin dice from Woolworths. And then that was my product. Um, and I get like 80 bucks a lawn. So in my head, I'm like, right, I do, I had, you know, a couple hundred dollars to start. I go and do that 10 more times. I get $800. Yeah. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Um, and that's how I bought the pram. So I was like, at that, again, at that stage, 
I don't think there's any coal miners that would go and do something, you know, that was perceived as, you know, such a low job. But for me, I'm like, I'll go spray bindies in your house, no dramas, for that amount of money. Might have been easier doing two overtime shifts. Yeah. Well, I was pumping them dogs out as you, well. You were. Yeah, yeah. But again, but the thing for me is, like, that's the crazy part of it, dude. It would have been. Mm. But I'm having more fun spraying bindies in mm. some random guy's backyard than what I was in a coal mine. Yeah. And I remember the same thing too because I went through the same things where, you know, after the mortgage, you've got kids coming and it's like, shit, how are we going to figure this out? And I remember doing um, midweek dog watch. Yeah. So we'd work, you know, 11, uh, 11 p.m. till, you know, 9 a.m. And I remember doing that Monday to Thursday and then I'd go in and do a Friday night doggy 12-hour shift, Saturday night doggy 12-hour shift. And, like, you've just basically worked all week because you, you, know, you can't do anything for the day when you're yeah. sleeping. And it's like – I might have made an extra seven hundred bucks. Yeah, and I and I like I sometimes think about that. I was like, I, I do that for not two. Like I, I'll do one for months. Yeah, I do one overtime shift a day for months, and it's, yeah. it's super common. Yeah. Um. And again, like, like I said, you almost fall in a trap of that. It's it's hard. It's hard yeah. to get out it's of too. Yeah. It's super hard to get out yeah. of. So um. Yeah. No, I, I, so I think I that's the biggest thing. I was just like, I would always there was never any ego around, and it's still not now. Like you and I both talked about it. Um, like. Same. Fuck, if we go hard and it pops, fuck, and you'll find you and I down at fucking Woolworths Plaza pushing trolleys. Pushing trolleys. I'll be the best fucking night filler in 100%. the world. Yeah. I always said the same thing too. Yeah. But and again, the cool thing about that is that um, I feel like if I had to do that, I'm there for two weeks. Because I'm there for two and then you've got a contract at the supermarket pushing trolleys or something. Nationally. You know? yeah. Nationally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, or something. Yeah. Like, you find another problem. Yeah. Like, because Actually, the skills that we've got now over the last couple of years, they, no one can take them away from 100%. us. 100%. It's the same thing as, like, you know, you hear stories about, you know, millionaires going bankrupt and then, you know, within 12 months they're millionaires again yeah. or, you know, or billionaires or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and it's just those lessons and experiences. I said to Sarah the other day, I was chatting to her and I was like, if, if something happened and we, yeah, we went bust, I was talking about if I could go back to work again. And I was like, I don't think I could work. I don't think I could work for any employer again yeah. and if it did it had to be like yeah, it had to be very very enticing like i don't, I don't think i could um but I, I do think i could just start another business and yeah. find a problem and you know find a solution and, and roll you grab it. a shovel yeah yeah and i think that'd be easier and i think i could do it again yeah like and it won't be in the industry it could be whatever yeah like i said you and i both like we weren't wedded to an idea or, yeah. or, or an industry it was like very open yeah um and it was more around trying to yeah find that problem yeah and and, and, and fix like create a solution so um the yeah so in coal um yeah fast back forward um coal mining miserable needed to get out of there i knew that i was a pretty i'm a pretty i feel like i'm a pretty um upbeat person pretty positive person and i knew that that environment in coal mining was sucking my energy mm. but i had no idea how much and people were drawn to me and i could feel this right they were drawn to me because of my energy but then they'd just fucking mine all my energy because you know they were only there's only toxic people out there um, I, when Neo was born, so I started my cleaning business. That was great. Um, you know, 50, I had 15, 20 staff in there in a couple of years, um, had some, like a, a meaningful amount of work and just tipping away, doing both. Um, again, there was an element of stress involved in that because when you there was all these rules that come in, you couldn't have your phone on you. There's a camera pointing at you at all times. Like it was Again, like the industry had changed so much. So like I'd have to sort of prepare the girls, you know, 12 hours ahead of themselves and anticipate that they wouldn't be able to contact me. Mm. And Jade wasn't involved in the business because she's busy being a mum. So like I would race up at crib time, 
quickly turn my phone on, fucking answer messages, like ring clients, miss calls, miss calls, and just try to solve problems and then jump back in the trap. Yeah, but it's like some of them things I couldn't fix straight away or like I might ring someone and then they're going to ring me back. I'm like, I'm not going to get this for another six hours now. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in the machine going... You know, what am I doing? Like, is my fucking business burning down? Yeah, I had no Um, idea. Especially earlier, you know, there's so much. And, like, I have, like, a high – like, if someone rings or contacts or emails, I want to be on it, right? Especially at the beginning. Like, you have to hustle. That's just Mm. how businesses start. Um, And when I couldn't do that at times, it was just, like, I felt like I wasn't delivering the product that I wanted to deliver. And um, and then, yeah, it was just – it was starting to get um, toxic – um, Nia was born two years ago, and there's a clause out there that if you there's a pater, there's paternity leave, so y'all could have twelve months off unpaid um, as a carer, as because I'm a yeah a carer yeah. yeah, and um, I don't think anyone ever sort of pulled that trigger. Any and male? Part, yeah. Any male? No, yeah. no, no, because no one's ever been in a position to yeah. right. But I was like, hey, I can go and I can pull this trigger, I'll take uh, uh, 12 months off unpaid and just go balls in on this business and just grow it um, to a way that I can leave. So that's what I did. And you know, we had COVID through that, um, which was, again, challenging, um, but we persevered. And then I just worked, 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 worked. And then, yeah, got that in a healthy position. And I was like, it was a no-brainer. I remember driving to work on a night shift. I'm like, I'd fucking pay someone right now $2,000 if I didn't have to do this for three nights. Mm. And then it was really clear to me. I was like, right, oh, well, that's the only reason why I'm going there. Mm. So it's like, that was it. It was yeah. done. Um, so then I, I, on that 12-month mark, I went in and handed my resignation in. And, and even in that time, Virtual Spotter had started in 2020, um, maybe 21. Yeah, Late 2021. So I resigned. Uh, I haven't worked two – in May, a couple of months ago, it was two years. Mm. Um, so, like, I remember – the cleaning business was going amazing. Um, I had VAs in my business and we both had amazing experiences. We're like, hey, like, let's help more people with this VA thing. Yeah. So then that's when Virtual Spotter was born. Um, you and I doubled down into that. So that was our first business together. So that was probably a really unique thing as well, right? You and I shared a lot of ideas and thoughts and you're like, hey, what about this? What about that? But we both entered business at the same time in two different things. Mm. Um, and it wasn't – it was just by accident almost, but I think it was a really healthy way for us both to be able to go and test things. Find your own feet. Yeah, own and then find each other. So because um, I think – like it would have made sense that we went into business together. Yeah, and we spoke about it, don't we? Yeah. Like I think – It um, would have made perfect sense. Yeah. Like, and I think everyone would have anticipated that mm. would happen. Um, so it was – but looking back, I think it was really cool that we didn't because we could go and do our own things and make our own, learn our own lessons um, and then find each other. Again, it was really organically. Mm. It's just like we saw an opportunity and it was like, hey, I think a lot of people will get value out of this. Let's start building Virtual Spotter. And then uh, I remember, because you weren't in coal mining then, I remember like you ringing me and I was at work. It was like, hey, we fucking got this client or got this. And I was doing interviews on the deck. You were too. The truck. Well, that, like, even that, like, I was driving excavators in the coal mine, right? And it was, it's probably one of the simplest jobs out there. I could actually have my phone in an excavator because it was the trucks that you couldn't have a phone in. The excavators are typically at the top of the pit more often than not. So, you know, you've got phone reception, you know, it's a simple job. You're on the digger for three hours and you're on the dozer for three hours, digger for three hours, dozer for three hours. So uh, when you're on the dozer, you're doing bugger all. You're 
you get your feet up, you clean up a few rocks. You know, more often than not, it's a simple job. Sometimes you're under the pump, but yeah, let's be real. You're not doing much. Not time you're sleeping a lot. Um, so like everyone wants them jobs, right? And for me, every time I was in a dump truck, I was extremely motivated to get out of there. I was like, I'd do anything. I was like, I'd do anything to get out of this place right now. This is doing my brain in. I just felt like I was wasting my life. And then I get into an excavator. I'm like, you know what? It's not too bad. Like I'm getting 150 grand a year. I get six weeks annual leave. I get this, I get that. And it's like, it's pretty good. Like just have a bit of a look at what it is. It's, it's okay. And then what I identified was like, I was like leaning towards that ease all the time. So I'm like, the only way that I'm going to push myself is if I take myself off this machine. So I went in there to the to the OCEs. I said, hey, I don't want to drive these machines anymore. I'm done. Put me on a truck. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, I don't want to, like, I'm not an excavator driver anymore. I want to be a truck driver. They're like, well, no one wants to be a truck driver. What do you mean, truck driver? Mm. So, well, I'm going to be a fucking truck driver. And then they, because there was a, I didn't have the most friendliest relationship at this point, right? Because I was toxic. It wasn't my best. I was just, like, I was over it. Mm. Um. And again, they, I argued with them a little bit too much because um, there's so many things that I wouldn't do that they were doing, right? From a leadership point of view, it's, yeah. Anyway, they put me under the worst machines and even the worst environments trying to break me, right? And I sort of looked at it like a challenge. I just, I'll be the fucking best truck driver here. Um, but every time I was on that truck, I was just like extremely motivated to get out of there. So um, by putting myself there, it fast-tracked everything. Mm. And my business plan was that I'd start Hunter Valley Housekeeping and in three years I would I would scale that in a way that I would be able to replace my income and leave. Um, and, and like, you know, fast forward three years, I'd actually scaled the business, left coal mining and exited that business as well. Mm. So I sold that business in three years. It's a pretty um, quick turnaround, wasn't it? Really, really it was, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. We touched on like your values, um, you know, just personally and for business. So like, what do you think some of the, like, you know, your principles, I guess, that help you, you know, grow your business? Um, one of the, I think for me, I was like, I was so passionate about trying to create an amazing environment. Mm. That was one of the things that I really wanted to work hard at doing because, um, previously I'd worked in environments that weren't that, and I wanted to, I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted to sort of identify other things that I thought you know, should be done or could be done in the business. So I just wanted to create an amazing environment. And then in return of that, I'd be able to find good people. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. And um, like, I think I remember you saying as well about that. It was like, it was almost like you weaponizing your culture to, you know, go and tra- attract talent. Cause like, no one necessarily wakes up and goes, you know what, I want to be, a, I want to be a, you know, a house cleaner. Yeah, that's right. Or I want to be a garbage person or whatever. Yeah. It's not this. Yeah, I don't know someone's lawn. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, or spray bindies. Yeah, but like that again. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think that there's a massive, there's a massive portion of people that want to supplement their household or mm. contribute in some way. Correct. And yeah, for me, I just wanted to be able to create an environment that allowed that to happen. Um, be flexible. You know, be flexible with work hours or work days with family commitments and then yeah let them leverage the way i looked at it was like i was creating a platform for other people to use to make money mm. so i this is my platform i can bring the work in and i just need someone to come and service the work and then in return of that i'll give you money yeah okay cool so again like over the last couple of years you went from you know employee to business owner to you know obviously now still a business owner but now you know investing and, and yeah. you're sort of playing you know like is like leadership and you, you know, as other companies ask for your opinion on things and yeah. bits and pieces, like, did you, along that journey, did you have like any mentors or like any people that 
know, you were getting advice from um, like along along the way, or like, yeah, any role models that you were trying to like sort of emulate? Like, what? How did that sort of? I think I don't. There was any. I don't uh, had any mentors um, so much, but like I used the last four years of coal mining for me. It was just like, just I used to just belt myself with books and podcasts, yeah. like self development. Correct. Yeah, I just go there and just listen to as many books as I possibly could, um, and or as many podcasts mm-hmm. as I possibly could. Just was my platform just to educate myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that that dramatically helped and fast tracked um, my education because previously I had never put any effort or. Um, I never put any effort or intent into um, trying to learn. Yeah. But saying that as well. So I, go, I, I still do, but I draw a lot of it in like aspiration from you from doing things as well. So it's like when some of your mindset towards investing or business um, like that used to inspire me. Mm. And then I think when we get in amongst each other and we, you know, talk and shit or like it inspires, like we just create a really cool environment mm. and a really fun environment. So um yeah, I think I get a lot of inspiration from you and then a lot of education from elsewhere. What do you think? What was it that motivated you to like go and chase, you know, education, do you think? Was it like, what, yeah, what do you think? Because again, like everyone uh, can do that, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not necessarily super common because like I was the same and I went through this yeah. period where I was like, you know, I was on Audible and I was on books yeah. and I was podcasts and like we're pulling and we still send the podcasts yeah. and books and we still do that now. Like yeah. not as much, again, that's our thing is like, like my content consumption was significantly higher when i was yeah you know working in the coal mine or and they didn't have didn't yeah have, you know employees and didn't have businesses and, and it's definitely slowed down now but um yeah like what what was it that i think, think it was the biggest thing that? was um it was because that's what i identified that i needed to do mm. to get out of there like i didn't know how to run a business so yeah. i had to learn how to run a business i didn't know how to lead a team so i needed to learn how to lead a team yeah. So it's like that was it was education for me. It was like my own little university. Yeah. It's like I even when I started the, when the cleaning business, I had no idea of like margins or chart. I had nothing. So it was like I found all them resources and just modelled my business off what other people were doing mm. elsewhere. So I think um, it's purely from just being able to. I feel like the more I learn, um, or the more I can educate myself, the smarter decisions I can make mm. to yeah support as, more people. As I, remember, I remember going on old. Um, Oh, it's an old adage around like you know you need, you need to out earn you need to out learn and I, I say that to Isabel and our kids now it's yeah. like if you if you want to if you want to earn you got to learn yeah um, and yeah it's super true um, you just to come back to uh, you know it was because it's interesting because we, we were chatting about businesses and that all the time and it was like you know the, like you said the natural thing most people probably would expect that we're not doing something together and we didn't we went away for basically two years each you went yeah. your way I went I went my way and we come back um, and then you know now we've got unique unique attributes, unique strengths, yeah. unique skills. What do you think, um, like why do you think like the, the, the pairing of us now has sort of worked so so well as far as like, because we do bring very diverse sort yeah. of skills to the table. Like yeah. what, do you, what do you think that's sort of worked? Um, um, you know, I, or, the way I look at it is that we have the same values and visions but different strengths and weaknesses. Mm. So I think that it's like the ultimate team because we're trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah. We, we're, we're both trying to get to there. I'm better at this. You're better at that. I'm terrible at this. You're terrible at that. Yeah. And then we, we combine them and then march towards a goal. Yeah. So I think we just complement each other. Um, yeah, if I was, I'd, if, if we both had the same like skills and weaknesses, we'd, we're nowhere near where we are. I understand. And people like, you know, like even people who aren't, 
like our accountant, right? Like I was chatting to um, I was chatting to Graham the other day, and yeah, he knows me. Obviously, I have got a better relationship than than you have, but he knows just chatting to you, yeah. Like the sort of personality you are, and yeah, he's like right. he, he's like he knows that like the pair of us work well together, and yeah. he barely even knows yeah. he barely even knows you know, both sides of the story. And it's like other people, it's like other people sort of can recognise it, um, and the th- as well. The thing as well is um, like imagine, and this is what I like about the partnership, right? Is that like if you're doing it on your own with your skills and your own flaws, then you need to try to find someone. I understand. That's the opposite of you. Yeah. And it's fucking hard to do that. Yeah. Especially you might be able to find them, but they're not going to be working towards the same thing as yeah. you are. Yeah. So like you can maybe find that in an employee, but then they're not really, they're not driven as an owner to yeah. be able to work towards that North Star. Yeah. So I think that's why you and I are so unique is because our, our vision is fucking bang on the same. Mm. Um, which and, and and yeah, very same. So driven yeah, by the same values. Yeah, and I think actually, just to go back to talking about before, like mentors or aspirations, I was like that was probably one thing um, that I got from you. Is like I think there was a time where you used to dream a bit bigger than what I was. Right when you were doing like when we were talking about the some of them investments you were making, like I wasn't even yeah. contemplating making them moves. So it's like I used to see the moves that you were making, and that used to inspire me too. Yeah, right. Um, so I was like, yeah, cool. Like this guy's making, yeah, he's making moves. Like I need to make moves. Mm. And I, and I think the more, um, my vision at least now, um, I think my vision is actually sometimes greater than what yours is sometimes. Mm. I'm like, Hey, we're going to fucking build this. You're like, Oh wow. That's like a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is a lot. Well, it's even the same, it's even the same with like, um, yeah, even the same with the software. Like I remember we sort of talked about it and you were like, let's fucking do it. Let's just yeah. do the software. Let's fucking go. Like we're ready to go. And I was like, oh, dude, like, yeah. like we don't even know what this thing is. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, are we ready to that? And you're like, yeah, nah, go, go, go. Yeah. And I remember we did that was it. 70 grand that bill. Yeah. I remember, and I remember we did it. Well, it ended up being like, uh, yeah, 120. Mm. And, I, and I remember, yeah, it ended up being 120. The and, and I was like, I've never spent, you know, 120 on anything. Mm. And then, um, especially like a concept doesn't work again now with the timing and everything, it's like it's landed in, a, in a, yeah. you know, the most probably opportune time for a few things going on in the network. And it's like, if we hadn't done it then, it would have been too late. If we started to build that right now, yeah, it's too late. It's gone. Yeah, too late. Not even at the table. But we started building that fifteen months ago, and we've put a quarter of a million dollars in it or cash, mm. and we're like, hey, we'll fucking roll it all in the middle, mm. and you know, we'll sell it, mm. or like we'll partner with people and they can use it. Yeah, because it's all our IP. And this is what we think is the best for this industry or this sector. Um, and I think even just the people that I've seen it now. Um, agree with us. Yeah, yeah. So it's, okay. for us, it's like we can roll our 300 customers over to it and have 300 users now. We've got 30 right now in a beta testing, which again is amazing. Um, and we're just learning to play in that space. And now that we're sort of playing around in that tech world, it's like people are amazed that, you know, we're building software with a user base of already 300. Yeah. They're like, wow, like people don't even usually have 300 customers. So, you know, um, this is unique. It's like I'm more than confident that we roll these guys over um, and prove the value of the software that we provide and then networks grab it. And then we, you know, there's 2000 users here, there's 3000 users there. And then all of a sudden there's 10,000 users on it, you know, and then that likely be 4,000 VS customers. And then it's a meaningful business. Yeah, for sure. Um, just on that too, you said about the, the goals, like what are, what are some of the, like your um, longer term goals or ambitions or aspirations for, for yourself personally and then and then also for, for the business? Um, for personally, for me, I want to – I want to contribute – I want to continue and put like a huge amount of effort of like pushing barriers like physically and mentally. And I want to do that for a couple of reasons because firstly for me, I just think that um, when I can push myself 
that's when I typically grow. When I'm not doing anything challenging, that's when that's when the other temptations roll in. That's when I fucking start to think about alcohol. It's like, um, you know, like so for me, it's like if I can continue sharpening sharpening my sword every day and continue to do difficult things, then I progress as a person. And off the back of that, the other cool thing that happens is that my four kids get to witness it. And then it changes their perception of like what is achievable and attainable. They're like, oh wow, like my dad does this. Like I thought everyone's dad does that. It's like, oh, like, like it's, that's not normal. It's like, oh, well, it's kind of normal for me. And then I change the direction of their path. So personally for me, I was like, I just want to continue doing difficult things every day um, and, and learn. And um, from a business point of view, I want to continue to maintain control and freedom of my time and my life. That's like, a, it's a big priority. Um, and I want to create thousands of meaningful jobs in the Philippines and service tens of thousand customers around the world with Cloud Tusker. Yeah. Cool. Um, you mentioned about doing difficult things. I'll just sort of segue off the convo and then start chatting about your, um, your, your big burst of, um, I don't know, 4am start yeah. runnings. So you want to touch on like, yeah. and just sort of explain about well, even how, how that started, right? How that come so, about. And so uh, again, it goes back to coal mining and books, but I remember reading Jocko's book. Um, it was called um, Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership. And when I was reading that book, I'm like, wow, this is like everything that's, this is the complete opposite of what's happening in my environment right now. And, you know, which is like mining, like all my supervisors, mm. like I was drowned and suffocated by their lack of leadership and um, just the, the toxicity of the place. And when I read that book, um, you know, like Jocko gets up at 4.30 every morning, right? And, and I read this book, it was probably like five or six years ago now. And um, when I learned that that's what Tommy got up, I was like, wow, that's so early. It's like, fuck, that's early. Mm. 4.30, that's early. Like even just looking at it on a clock, it was like, wow. But then I was like, why is it early? Like I didn't really, I, I sort of like sat and pondered over that. And I was like, the, the only reason why that is early is because I perceive it to be early. I was like my perception says that that's early, therefore I default that that's early. So I'm like, I'm going to set myself a goal and I want to see how long it changes or how long it takes for my perception to adjust from getting up at that time. So um, again, at that stage, this is about five years ago, I would set my, I'd get up early on day shift, which I'd work um, like two day shifts one week, three day shifts the next week, right? Um, on day shifts, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning and I would run four or five K, Okay, and that was my way of just trying to adjust my perception of like I wanted to get up with a four in front of the clock. Yeah, how long did that used to take you? Like when you first kicked off, do you remember? Like twenty five, half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then again, like I used to get a mad buzz because like I'm getting up before most people that I'm working with. I'm doing something undesirable, which is like running or like early in the morning. It's dark, it's cold, and then I'm going to go work a twelve and a half hour shift in a coal mine. And I remember the like how that made me feel walking into that bathhouse to go get changed i was like fucking bulletproof man like i'd already been up for a few hours i'd got 5k under the belt um and again these guys are like oh hey tommy how are you mate oh robo what's happening brother you know like they're like oh yeah fucking better if i wasn't in this kind of a place and blah 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 it's like Wait, what are we doing so it's like it helped me get into a mindset that i was like um like i always felt and it might seem egotistic, but I was like, I always felt like I was better than them guys anyway, like from a, from in every area, mm. but mostly just my, what I just felt like I could, I was, a, I was capable of more, but I was still in their environment. Right. So I'm really no better off than them. Um, and then by starting to run and do them things that made me sort of solidify that I was doing more than them. Therefore I was worthy of more. 
And then I started doing it of the mornings when I was working. And then it started creeping into the mornings when I wasn't working. And for me, I just wanted to see how long it took. And the, what I realized was that it was years. Like I, I thought I would be able to do something for like three months or four months and I'd be into a routine of it, but it was years. And even now, like five years later, it's still like I still don't love getting up. Mm. Sometimes I bounce out of bed. Other times I'm like, what's They're going on? Yeah, I'm like, this is like even t- like we won't get home till late tonight. Um, and then tomorrow I've got to get up and, and do something, right? Because I know that my day is going to be ruined if I don't do that. And again, it's it's not always great to be, like to have that. It's almost like um, becomes a little bit, um, what's it called when you fucking walk under ladders? Um, susp- um, yeah. It almost becomes a little bit... Um, Superstitious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I have to do that in order to have a good day. Yeah. And like, I don't want it to get like that because that's, that's just what happened with the running. Like I got caught in that whirlwind of the run because I'm like, I remember when I even, when I shared the idea of starting that run with you, yeah. when I was walking to the cup, I was like, Hey, I wanted to like run seven days of half marathons. I reckon that'd be pretty cool. And then when I'd done that and it kept going, kept going, it was like after like day 150 of that, yeah. I which, lost, which is pretty crazy too. Like 150 yeah. days of half mm. marathons. Yeah. yeah you lost. And then I, I started to like, for me, I wanted, I was doing it because I was attaining so much out of it. So much, like I was just putting myself on a really high frequency and I told myself that I would stop doing it if I stopped achieving that. And then, you know, as it got closer to one eighties, one nineties, and then I got injured and then I, I, I ran 200, I ended up running 202, but I was like, I was, it was starting to wear down on me. Like mm. I wasn't getting the same high yielding results. Uh, I was still doing uh, – it was more about the distance than mm. what it was about the task. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, again, like I had trouble stopping from that. And then uh, uh, well, when I ran the 202 – so I ran 202 days of half marathons and then my le- I busted my leg. So then on day 203, um, I started rowing half marathons and then I rowed 56 days of half marathons. Um, and, again, that for me it was just a way that I could still tick that box and still do – arguably it's – even more undesirable sitting on a roll for an hour and a half every morning. But um, it was a way that I could still tick that box. Um, and that actually helped me rehab my leg. Like it helped my leg because mm. I could kind of couldn't walk. Um, so, yeah, but that, like the ulti- like years that started with Jocko reading that book. Um, and it was, I wanted to change the perception of getting up early. And now I just get so much out of it. And my life has dramatically changed since then. Like I've, you know, got four, like, during that moment, that 4, 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. is like my window, non-negotiable. That's my time. No one needs me then. I'm free to do whatever I want. And it's like the most amazing way to start my day. Mm-hmm. So I typically get up at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock and then I'll, I'll, I'll work for half hour. Like I'll answer WhatsApp messages, reply to emails and just sort of clear my inbox. Mm-hmm. So then I could just go out and just be completely free. Um, and like even just talking about content and things like that, right? So I was like... I used to use that time as another window to listen to books and podcasts. Um, and then what I realized was that I was like, whilst it's amazing listening to books and podcasts, that there was, um, there was so much content of my own that I wasn't processing. So it's like, you know, all them thoughts and feelings that you have in your head that you sort of like might just get pushed aside. If you're listening to a song or you're listening to a podcast, um, I wanted to force myself to start to process that. And I'm, um, I remember I went to go for a run early one morning and I went to put my beats in and they were dead. So, and I was like, 
physically angry. I'm like, this is a fucking joke. Like, well, this is like, how am I meant to run? Like, I've, I can't listen to anything. This is going to be boring. And then I kind of caught myself. I'm like, hey, you're being a little bitch. Like, this is not why you wanted to run. You weren't yeah. running to go and make yourself feel good and listen, listen to music to or a podcast, podcast yeah. or a book. That, that's not what you're doing. Anyone can run and listen to some aspirational podcast. Um, so I was like, righto, let's, I'm going to bar myself from them. So like for 30 days, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to anything um, as almost a punishment for being a little bitch and moaning about him going dead. And then I got so much out of that 30 days. I'm like, wow, like I was forced to sit with my thoughts and feelings for that hour and a half. And, and I processed so much. I thought about, so I had amazing ideas. Dude, I'd fucking ma- audio message. It. I was like, mm. hey, bro, I fucking got this mad idea for Cloud yeah. Tasker. I got this mad idea for VS. So like, what if we do that? What if we do this? And but like, I'm, I'm in a full flow state. I'm operating at a really high frequency. And I, I'm, I'm not going to have them ideas sitting at home. Yeah. You, they don't come to you. Yeah. You're, not in, you're not in a position to be able to receive them. Yeah. So I was operating at this really high frequency, doing this undesirable task really early in the morning, just fucking spitballing all these incredible ideas and then you know, sending them to you or sending them to you know, my own notes and then basically like building things off the back of it. Mm. Like there's ideas in Cloud Tasker, there's ideas that we've shared that have spawned into all these other amazing things um, and some of which have been processed during that window of time. Mm. Mm, it's crazy. Um, that was actually one of the next questions about um, chatting to you about your habits and like routines and rituals. Yeah. Have you got anything else? Like, you know, because I know that I know that sort of four to six windows has, yeah. has become a bit of a habit or ritual. Yeah. For you. Like, well, do you have any other sort of habits or rituals that you think have sort of like aided to, you know, your productivity or yeah? That sort of I think so like far? not drinking for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think by not drinking has definitely aided um, and helped me one hundred percent, dude. Um, outside of that, I think. Um, uh, yeah, not working in a coal mine is again it's huge just being able to sleep every night is something that I hadn't been able to do for 12 years mm. so being able to sleep every night and have structure and routine in my day to be able to yeah work is huge mm. they're the two biggest things not drinking and exercising every day yeah if there's someone like you know listening listening to the potty or listening to the episode like in a similar situation yeah. like you know or, or I guess um, you know identifies parts of like your story with them like what what advice would you give them? Um, you know, what, what, yeah, what are some of the things that you, you know, would or wouldn't do? I think um, I often think, right, like if someone grabbed me 10 years ago yeah. and like sort of shared the things that I've learned now to me, I don't think it would have necessarily helped much. Yeah. I think um, whilst we can sort of say like, oh, I would have been so cool if we started business eight years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I think that, we started a business exactly when we were meant to start business. And, you know, the time that we spent in coal mining, which is like, you know, 12 years, is like the most amazing apprenticeship for life and business. So it's like, it was a toxic environment. We're exposed to, you know, things that other people weren't exposed to. Um, and that's helped me be a better leader and a better business person um, off the back of that. So, um, I think the biggest thing is just trying to understand. But again, dude, like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was mm. fucking 30 years old, deep into my 30s, the 33, and I still didn't really yeah, figure it out. But it. I knew that I was destined for more. And yeah. I remember telling you one day, I was like, I don't even know, I, like, I don't even know where we're at at the moment. I don't know where we're going, but like, this feels like we're on the right path yeah. now. And I'd never felt like that in my whole life. Yeah. I was like, where we are right now is exactly where I felt like I've always been trying to get. Trying to get to. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, even in school, like, um, yeah, you know, we asked me about 
um, you know, if I thought I was going to go to uni or whatever, it's like I had, I had sort of no necessarily real plans or never, yeah. no sort of structure laid out plans. And it kind of like you, made, you almost made it feel bad at sort of towards the end of your schooling life. You're like, you're supposed to have this shit figured out. Yeah. Um, but people don't. I think yeah. it's sort of so much torment comes from like yeah. when, they, when they don't have anything figured yeah, out. Yeah, like they take it, like they t- they're like, yeah, they look down on themselves. They're like, yeah. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, and, and again, everyone just sort of looks at everyone else like they do have it figured out and they don't. No one um, does. No, and, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this person's got it figured out and they, they fucking don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's funny you said, like, you were you know, 33, early yeah, 30s. Yeah, 33. Coming at, yeah, 33 before you started to feel like you started to, to get some traction. Correct, yeah. And now, like, I still feel incre- like I'm 37 now and I still feel like... I'm at an incredible age to be able to still attain everything that I would hope and dream of. Yeah. Um, we have a, a huge amount of time. And being able to compound everything that we've been able to achieve and acquire now is huge. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, we spoke about too, is like from a, from a standing start to sort of four years now with a you know, a little bit of wind behind you, a little bit, you know, you've got some resources behind you. Um, it's going to be pretty dangerous over yeah. the next, next couple and of years. And I think too, it's like um, the one of the reasons why most kids will want to play professional sport, right, is because of the money. Mm. And it's like, you you play professional sport, which is what I wanted to play. It's like, what do you got? Five years. Like, I think the average NRL career is like 13 years, games yeah, or something. Yeah. Dude. Like, it's, really? Small, uh, it's small, bro. Small. Oh, yeah, yeah NFL is like four games. That's okay. the average career. Crazy. So it's like, um, let's say you play for five years. Okay, you're on average wage, 300 grand, 350 for five years. It's like, yeah. it's not that much. So it's like, for me, like we can earn a lot more than that forever yeah for a long and long compound life. it and have control and freedom yeah. um solve way bigger problems for really big companies support lots of amazing people that want to come and um leverage our environment and leverage our platforms to help you know solve problems and and um help their families cool. it brings me a huge amount of joy awesome um mate lastly i guess at the end of the day like what you know when it's all said and done like what is it that like you know courtney joyce wants to be known for um, like what is it? Yeah, what is it that you want to be known for? Zach Joyce's brother. <laughs> um, I want to be known for. I want to be known for the guy that um, would roll it all in the middle and just continue to charge forward. Um, I also want to be known as the guy that helped nurture and support um, everyone that was in his circle. That's probably the thing that would bring me the most joy. Is like, because um, that's the thing, right? We're all going to die. And, you know, there's going to be uh, a small window of time where people remember us and then there's going to be a very big window of time where people don't. Yeah. And I hope that the people that do remember me um, or I would be known as the as the person that wanted to help or did help um, them have a better life. Cool. Awesome, mate. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, thanks for your time. And I hope everyone sort of gained some insight into you, um, into me in the other episode. And then, yeah, we're looking forward to rolling out, um, you know, behind the brand together as another sort of um, you know, piece of content to get some insight into, you know, small business owners in particular and, yeah. and, and, and their stories as well. So trying to like, um, to, you know, take that. Yeah, that allow them to, to use, you know, we create another platform. Yeah. We create a platform called Behind the Brand to give other franchisees and franchisors an opportunity to tell their story. And I think that uh, as a network, uh, any network will get tremendous amount of value just by being able to understand and learn from other people's mistakes or other people's um, mm. wins. Mm. For sure. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, you, dude. Thanks for your time, bro. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Bye. Done. Bye.